born to die that he might give eternal life that I might live Welcome to Yankee Arnold Ministries. Dr. Arnold will be with you in just a moment, but first, we want you to know how much we appreciate your prayers and financial support. You may help this radio ministry by donating online at yankeearnold.com or by mail at Yankee Arnold Ministries, 7028 West Waters Avenue, Suite 316, Tampa, Florida, 33634. Again, that's 7028 West Waters Avenue, Suite 316, Tampa, Florida, 33634. Feel free to send Dr. Arnold your questions or comments to yankee at yankeearnold.com, and he will respond as quickly as possible. Now, here is Dr. Arnold with today's message. Hold your place right here and look there in the book of Ephesians in chapter 4. The book of Ephesians in chapter 4. There's a good verse here that I think will be a blessing to you. Look there in verse 7. Ephesians chapter 4 and verse 7. He says, But unto every one of us is given grace according to the measure of the gift of Christ. In other words, God gives you the grace to do a particular ministry. Now, that didn't cost you anything. Now, you may have to search the will of God and apply yourself in various areas Do what you can, where you can, until you find it. And there will always be something that you can do better than other things that you can do. You can do a lot of things, but there's something that you need to nail down that you believe this is what God wants me to do. And find that gift or find that ministry. So God's given to every one of us that. Now, get what else he says. It's according to the measure. And then down in verse uh, 12... For the perfecting of the saints. So God gave us apostles and prophets and teachers and pastors and evangelists. For the equipping of the saints. For the perfecting of the saints. For the, and you ought to underline this, the work of the ministry. So you and I have been blessed by God to have the opportunity to serve the Lord. So God has given to us various gifts. Now go back to 1 Peter in chapter 4. 1 Peter chapter 4, and it says that you and I are supposed to be good stewards. And it says in the book of uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 4 and verse 2, Moreover, it is required in a steward that a man be found faithful. Not popular, not rich, not good looking, not, not just faithful. Faithfully do what God wants you to do. And there is something that God wants every child of God to do. So find out what it is, that particular thing. Now you have to love everybody. That's something. You're supposed to witness, but some people can do it better than others. You may have the gift of helps, but some people might do it better than others. But there's something that you do that you'll feel, this is my niche. This is where I feel comfortable in doing what God wants me to do. There is something. So you study the Word of God, and you get involved until you find, and so you look. And your obedience, it's a lot easier for God to steer a car when it's moving than when it's sitting still. 
And if you're moving, God can guide you. But if you're not moving, there's no place to lead you because you're not moving. So keep that in mind. Now go back here to verse 11. Verse 11 says, If any man speak, let him speak as the oracles of God. If any man minister, let him do it as of the ability. We talk about responsibility. Responsibility. We expect a teenager to respond to certain things better than a two-year-old child. The two-year-old child, we don't expect much from a two-year-old because he's only two years old. He doesn't have much ability. But by the nurturing and the ability to teach them things, how to walk and talk and all that, by the time you get to be a teenager, you expect more from them. So they say we have, they have more responsibility to respond according to their ability. When we become adults, we're supposed to be responsible adults. I already hear that sign, you know, drink responsibly, drink responsibly. Well, the best thing to do is just don't drink at all. Drink responsibly. Don't drink. That's being responsible. I don't have to worry about it. But there's things that you get to be an adult. Be responsible according to your ability. So how do you respond to the things that God tells you to do? So he says this here, concerning the ministry that I give to you, he says, do it according to your ability. Do it as of the ability which God giveth. So God says he's the one that does this. Now, when he talks about the oracles of God, what in the world is the oracles of God? You might know what the oracles of God is. Mad Magazine? Bugs Bunny? All right, look there in Romans in chapter 3. Romans chapter 3. Romans chapter 3. I know y'all know it, you just don't want to be put on the spot and raise your hand because you're shy. I know that. So look there in Romans chapter 3, look in verse 1. In comparison to the Gentiles, the Jews had an advantage. What advantage then hath the Jew? Or what profit is there of circumcision? Much every way, chiefly because that unto them were committed the oracles of God. The oracles of God is the word of God. So he says, you have the word of God. Speak according to the word of God. In other words, you and I are going to one day give an account to God for what we say. Do you believe, because I believe it, I got to give account to God for every sermon that I've preached. Ooh. Everything that I've said. I wonder if God's going to strike out all my jokes. You know, I thought they were pretty, you know, valuable. But God may say, you know, that was a lot of haywood and stubble. But Lord, they were just windows that let light into a dark room. Anyway, we'll have to get all that worked out later, you know. So go back here to 1 Peter in chapter 4. So he says, All things that God in all things may be glorified through Jesus Christ, to whom be praise and dominion forever and ever. Amen. So God has left you and I in this world with a gift, with a ministry, to use it for His honor, for His glory, not ours, 
while we're here. And everybody has one. Everybody has something. There's something God wants every man to do in the body of Christ. There's something that God has. Now, some people never get involved, so they never find out. And so they always have that empty feeling. I used to have people saying, Yankee, use me, Yankee, use me, Yankee, use me. So I use them. Then they say, oh, he does it, use you. Some people you can't win. Now, look what he says in verse 12. Now, verse 12 is a good verse. You ought to underline this verse in your Bible. It's another reason for the purpose of the book. He says, in chapter 1 and verse 4, he says, uh, you know, we're saved from something to an inheritance that's incorruptible and undefiled, that fadeth not away, reserved in heaven for you, and are, who are kept by the power of God through faith and the salvation. He says, and because of that, we rejoice greatly, but uh, if you need be, in heaven is through manifold temptation, manifold testing. And then he says there in verse 6, that the trial of your faith been much more precious than gold and silver, though it be tried with fire, may be found on the praise, honor, and glory at the appearing of Jesus Christ. So we're going to have suffering in this life, and our faith is on trial, and uh, you're going to suffer for him. But you know that when you get to heaven, God's going to reward you for what you did, and that God has given to you a ministry, and you're going to have to give an account unto him, which is what he says up here in um, verse 5, who shall give an account. You and I are going to give an account. So whether we like it or we don't. You say, well, I didn't ask for all this. Who did? Somebody said, I didn't ask to be born. <laughs> who did? I didn't ask to be born, but I'm, here I am. Now I got to take and fulfill my responsibilities to my creator, my God. I got to give an account someday. So look what he said in verse 12. Beloved, think it not strange concerning the fiery trial, which might try you. No, which is to try you. As though some strange thing happened unto you. Don't be surprised when things don't go right. Don't be surprised when people don't like you. Don't be surprised when you take a stand for truth and people hate you or say things against you. Don't be surprised. If you're not going to be surprised, you might not get hurt. You know, some Christians get hurt so easy. Man, they just double-dog dare anybody to look at them crossways or to say anything that they don't like. And man, I'll get my feelings hurt. And buddy, I won't speak to you for six months. I mean, there's just people like that. They're just so easily offended. Just so easily offended. You can say anything, and it just tears them all up. Why are you like that? You're not supposed to be like that. People ought to be able to say anything they want, do anything they want, and then not phase you. Now, it may hurt you, but it doesn't stop you from doing faithfully what God told you to do. There's all some strange thing that happened. God doesn't love me no more. In verse 13, but... He says, look at this. Look at it. You ought to underline that word. But rejoice. In other words, when things go wrong, I'm supposed to rejoice? <laughs> no way. <laughs> Not going to happen, Captain. Well, this is what God says. So, see, this reveals your attitude toward life. It reveals your attitude toward God. Do you know that most people, when they're mad at somebody, carrying a grudge against somebody, they're not mad at them. They're mad at God. They're just taking it out on somebody. But the only reason they're doing that is because... They're upset with God. they got a God problem. Your bitterness and your hatred, you can aim it at a person, but they're not your problem. You are not right with him. That's your problem. 
You say, that's kind of hard. Still true. Still true. So get what he said. But rejoice inasmuch as ye are partakers of Christ's sufferings, that when his glory shall be revealed, ye may be glad. See, that's then. That's then. Uh, up there in the other verse, in verse 3, in times past, well, that's past. Present, I'm supposed to be doing what I'm supposed to be doing because I'm going to have to give an account. But whenever the Lord appears in glory, and, and, and then we're going to be judged and rewarded, as he says here, then ye may be glad with exceeding joy. We haven't got a clue how much joy it's going to be when we get to heaven, but it will be worth it all. Now, get what he says. In verse 14, if ye be reproached for the name of Christ, happy are ye. That is, if you're doing right and you suffer for it, then be happy about it. Don't let their negative comments destroy you. Now, if you did it wrong, then try to find out a better way to do it next time. He says in verse 14, If ye be reproached for the name of Christ, happy are ye, for the spirit of glory and of God resteth upon you. On their part, he is evil, on your part, he is glorified. Whereas God is pleased with your obedience, your faithfulness. Maybe somebody else isn't, but God is. And so you know that because I did what I was supposed to do as unto the Lord, I can rejoice in that. And other people may not respond in kind and like what you say or do, but you still have to do it. And in the eyes of some people, when I decided to go to Bible school, oh, man... You'll never finish. You'll never finish. You'll never make it. The dumbest thing I've ever heard in my life. What about your wife and kids? Where are you going to stay? You don't even have a job. I left with no money. I got to Orlando, Florida. I was broke as the Ten Commandments. I didn't have anything. My brother loaned me $40. Here I am with my wife and two kids and everything that I own, and I'm on my way boogieing down through on the Sunshine Park Expressway. Got almost down there. A hurricane was coming in, and I'm trying to beat the hurricane. So I was going about 90 miles an hour, and a radiator hose blew. So I sat on the side of the road trying to get that taken care of. And so then I got down there late, had a friend down there that let me stay with them for a couple months until I find a job. It was chaos. Just problem after problem after problem. But I had like a reckless abandonment of faith. Now, Betty's dad, it was totally different from her mom and dad. They cringed every time I made a decision to do something. Because we lived in five states in a year and a half. States now, that's not counties, not five houses in one town. No, that's five states. So it was kind of hard. Because... <laughs> The reason he never wanted her to marry me in the first place was because I was a gypsy. And, you know, after you trust the Lord, you, it just doesn't change. <laughs> and you know how you found me. I was still running around from state to state. It doesn't change. Forty years later. But God has done a little improvement on me, you know. It's not over yet. 
So anyway, God still loves me. <laughs> but sometimes you've got to get out and find out. Just if you, And it was it's the dumbest thing. When I went to Bible school and I left Betty and the kids there in, in Georgia with her parents, I had $15 to my name. No job and uh, didn't have a definite place to stay. Wound up staying in a rescue mission. <laughs> and I slept with those drunks and winos off the street, you know, for several months. But anyway, if I had something that I left, that was worth anything, I'd have went back to it. But I didn't have anything. And so I just knew that uh, if I die, I die. If God fails me, he fails me. But I'm going to give God the chance to prove that he's going to do what he says he's going to do. I said, Lord, <laughs> I'm going to walk on water. And if I sink, it's your fault. It will not be mine. Oh, I had some nasty talks with God, and it's a wonder God never struck me dead. I deserved to be struck him down, but he just had mercy upon my, my ignorant soul. So anyway, look what he says here in verse 15. But let none of you suffer as a murderer. Some people say, well, can a Christian commit murder? Well, evidently, yes. And is, what about suicide? Is that murder? That's murder. Is it a sin? Paid. And people have a hard time believing this, but it's, it's still the truth. God says that his children could do all these wrong. He says, but don't let this be named among you. As a murderer, a thief, or an evil a doer, or a busybody in other men's matters. Isn't that something? A busybody in other men's matters. <laughs> God says, don't do that. And by the way, don't commit murder. You mean, boy, that... Being a busybody in other men's matters must be a bad thing. Yet, in verse 16, if any man suffer as a Christian, let him not be ashamed. In other words, because you're living like a Christian. See, when you trust Christ as Savior, we often say you have become a Christian. Well, you're born into God's family. But they got the name Christian because of the way they lived. They lived like Christ. They became like Christ. They have people who trust Christ as Savior, and they don't live like Christ. But we still say, well, they're a Christian. And in real sense, yeah, they're a Christian, but they're sure not living like a Christian. You might know somebody like that. Yet if any man suffer as a Christian, let him not be ashamed, but let him glorify God on this behalf. For the time is come that judgment must begin at the house of God. Now in Hebrews chapter 10, verse 26, it talks about if we sin willfully after we have uh, received the knowledge of the truth, there remaineth no more sacrifice for sin. But uh, there's a judgment that God says, a fiery judgment. God's going to have to chasten his children. So he says here, it begins at the house of God. With God's people, if God's going to judge his people, and it talks about here, uh, well, what about the lost man? We're not judged at the same time. The Christians will be judged at the judgment seat of Christ, which takes place in heaven. That's not a judgment to see if we get to go or not. We're already going because we trusted Christ. But the judgment is a rewarding stand where God's going to reward you for what you've done for him. And then there's the lost people. They'll stand at the great white throne judgment over a thousand years later. So he says, it first begins at us. What shall the end of them that obey not the gospel of God? Now, this word obey not the gospel, when the gospel is, Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and thou shalt be saved. 
Well, to obey the gospel is to believe. Not to obey the gospel is not to believe. Because that's what God says about the God. It's the only thing that you can do. It's the only thing I can do. Is to believe that when Christ died, he paid for my sins. And if I trust him as my Savior, he gives me eternal life. So if I believe it, I'm saved. If I don't, I'm lost. So there's people who will not obey the gospel. They won't believe it. So they're disobedient. So he says here that to them that obey not the gospel of God or do not believe the gospel. Now, if we had time, we'd look at some other verses, but we don't. In verse 18, and if the righteous scarcely be saved, where shall the ungodly and the sinner appear? When it says, and the righteous scarcely be saved, talking about with such great difficulty. Now, I've had trouble with this verse, just like all the commentaries I've read on it. None of them seem to explain it good. But I think because we're in this world, and we have the lust of the flesh, we have the disobedient Christians, we have Christians that live as a thief and a murderer and this and that and the other, that's with great difficulty somebody ever got the gospel to you. You realize I lived for 68 years and had only one man ever witnessed to me, and not, that was 49 years ago. And with much difficulty, that man almost never got to me because just a few things happened, I'd have never come across this man. just happened at the right time, the right place. I believe God brought that together. And so you and I were saved with much difficulty of people serving God and doing what they're doing. And just think about missionaries who've gone to the foreign fields with much difficulty. They spend three to four or five years on the road just trying to get support so they can get to the field. And then they got to learn a language and then they try to get the gospel to them and try to get them to understand. It's work and a lot of difficulty. So you and I was not led to the Lord as a piece of cake. That a lot of things went into reaching us. And so because of that, where is the world the ungodly and the sinner appear? At the great white throne judgment. The Bible says in the book of 1 Corinthians in chapter 6, Know ye not that ye shall judge the world? We're going to judge the world. God's going to use us as testimonies that sets in judgment upon the lost people because of what we heard and what they heard. They heard what we heard, and we believed it, and they didn't. Why? Now it's back on their back. God knows what every person has heard. I don't understand it all. I don't know how God's going to do it all, but I know this. God makes no mistakes. God is perfect. He is righteous. And when it's all over with, nobody will be able to say God did anything wrong. In your life, God has never done you wrong. He's never done the lost man wrong. God can't do wrong. He's perfect. He is God. He's righteous. He's holy. He is filled with compassion. And so he says here in verse 19, Wherefore, let them that suffer according to the will of God commit the keeping of their souls to him in well-doing as unto a faithful creator. It's not talking about the lost man suffering for him. It's talking about the Christian suffering for him. You and I in this life should commit the keeping, the guarding of our souls in this life unto the Lord. And just do what we can with what we have where we are and trust the Lord to bless. Look up here. I know this is something y'all have seen before, but you can see it one more time. 
let this hand represent you and me. And the wallet represent all of our sins. God says that he loves us. Now, he hates our sin, but he loves us. And I'm so glad of that. God loves me. But he doesn't like what I do wrong. Doesn't like what you do wrong. And to pay for sin is eternal separation from God in a place called hell. I want people to know there's a place called hell. But God loves us and wants us to go to heaven. And to go to heaven, we have to be perfect, as righteous as God. And God says nobody's perfect, nobody's righteous. Because of sin, see, we can't get in. So God says you cannot earn eternal life. You can't work your way to heaven. It's not by your good deeds. You see, you don't have to join a church to go to heaven. You don't have to give money to go to heaven unless you gave it here. No, that's not true. You don't have to give money to go to heaven. Uh, There's nothing you can do by your good deeds that will get you into heaven. This hand represents Jesus Christ. He's the Lord God in the flesh. He came into the world because he loves us. He hates our sin because it separates us from him. So Jesus Christ, who had no sin, didn't have to die. But because he loved us and hates our sin, he took it, paid for it on the cross, came back from the dead, and said that if you and I, if we would believe it, he did it for us, he would put this payment to our account, and we get to go to heaven on what Jesus Christ did for us. Now that's the best news in all the world. If I offered you my wallet and you accept, you'd have an empty wallet. If I offered you my watch and you accept it, you'd know what time it is. If Christ walked in here right now and offered you eternal life and you accept it, you would have eternal life. And if it's eternal life, it would last forever. And if it lasts forever and all your sins are paid, where would you go when you die? To heaven. So can you know you're going to heaven before you die? Yeah, boy, that's the best news in all the world. Let's pray, shall we? With heads bowed and eyes closed, no one looking around. If you have never trusted Jesus Christ as your Savior, friend, I can't think of a better time than right now. You don't have a guarantee that tomorrow will ever come. But why not right now? In the quietness of this moment, just between you and the Lord, just talk to the Lord. And say something like this, Lord, I know I'm a sinner. I've done things wrong, but I know you love me. You sent your son, Jesus Christ, to die to pay for all my sins. And I believe he did it for me. And I'm going to trust him right now to take me to heaven whenever I die. And friend, God said if you would believe that he did it for you, he'd put that payment to your account, and you get to go to heaven on what Christ did for you. Would you believe that? If you're making that decision, I'd like to have prayer for you. I'm not going to ask you to stand up. I'm not going to embarrass you. I'm not going to ask you to come forward or anything like that. I don't want anything from you. I just want you to receive the free gift of eternal life. And I like to know it because I like to have prayer for you. And I do it with heads bowed so that you're not put on the spot. Is there anyone at all this morning say, yes, preacher, that made sense to me. I want to be certain of going to heaven when I die. And I'd like you to pray for me in closing. Would you just slip your hand up very quickly and put it right back down? If you've never done it before, but you'll do it right now. Just slip it up real quick. Anyone at all? Yes, God bless you, sir. God bless you. Anyone else? You can slip your hand up very quickly, put it right back down. There's no gimmicks to this, no tricks to it. I won't probably know your name. I just want to know that what I said made sense to you. Anyone else before we close? Father, we thank you so much for your word you've given us and for the tremendous chapter here in First Peter. I pray, Lord, you're Blessings upon each person that's here this morning, those that might be listening by the Internet. 
that, Father, if they have not trusted you as Savior, that they would do so, believing that you died on the cross and paid for them, that you'll never cast them out and never lose them. And, Father, for those who do understand and know that in this life, yes, with much difficulty do we reach the lost man. But the difficulty and what we go through, the suffering, it is worth it. So bless us in Christ's name. Amen. How permanent is your salvation? Can you lose it? Are you 100% sure that you'll go to heaven? To help you in answering that question, Pastor Yankee Arnold has prepared just the right book with answers straight from the Bible. The book is called Gospel Driven Man, and Pastor Yankee wants to send it to you free of charge. Simply write to Pastor Yankee at Yankee Arnold Ministries, 7028 West Waters Avenue, Suite 316, Tampa, Florida, 33634, and request the book or request by email at yankee at yankeearnold.com. That's yankee at yankeearnold.com. Jesus is coming, so keep looking up. Thanks for listening to today's broadcast. We pray that today's message was a blessing to you and your family. You may help support this radio ministry by donating online at yankeearnold.com or by mail at Yankee Arnold Ministries, 7028 West Waters Avenue, Suite 316, Tampa, Florida, 33634. Friend, one day it will happen. The trumpet will sound and we will be changed caught up to meet the Lord in the air. So live today and every day, believing that the Lord is coming soon, and just keep looking up. Amazing grace amazes me.